Welcome. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. This is Reverend Jake Lover. You are listening to Faith Talk, and I am continuing on with the series, Introduction to Biblical Thought. This is certainly a introductory level conversation. It's it's the motivation is for someone who has never read the biblical text to find out what they might expect uh, in a summarized um, narrative, what they can expect to find as they encounter the Bible. Now we've been already been through some of the um, Old Testament. We've transitioned into the New Testament with the. We started out with the Gospel of Matthew. And today, I'm going to be talking about this, the book of Acts. Now, Acts was written, the the authorship is attributed to Luke, who was a a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And he endeavored to document his experience with Paul, his experience with God, his experience with the, the early formation of the church in the community. Uh, reception or a non-reception. So in this book of Acts, Luke starts out the book describing the ministry of Jesus. And he talks about how Jesus had given instructions to the apostles after he suffered on the cross. He reappeared, showing himself to them as proof of his resurrection. He also tells them of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after he he told them about this coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was taken up into heaven. So then the, the writer goes on to describe this memorable event, a, a very popular story that is found in the book of Acts. And I'm talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which which we should take a look back at what what was this? The the Pentecost was a, a Jewish Thanksgiving festival for the first fruits of the harvest. And people would come from all over to celebrate this day. So now the um, if I was to take a look to describe that, it is in chapter 2 that the it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of them uh, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, it goes on to say that there were, in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. And utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans then, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native, native language? And it goes on to list a, the different languages in which these people heard 
um, the the praises of God in their own language. The, so here's the thing, though, that we must remember that um, there were there was a, a diaspora. There was a scattering of the Jewish community. They were scattered all over the place, and now they are coming back to this festival, speaking different dialects, different languages, and they got to hear the glorious praise of God in their own language. So what we do see is one school of thought is that we certainly see the diversity of of language representing different people from different communities coming in and hearing God's praise in their own language. We see unity. Um, Now this is exactly, I like to just make a brief note that this is exactly the opposite of what happened in that Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel where where they were ascending to the heavens in a tower and God disrupted their initiative um, by disrupting their language, their ability to communicate. So in that story, their languages were disrupted. And in this story on the day of Pentecost, their languages were all brought together where everybody was able to hear the glorious praise of God in their own language. As this was going on, um, some people in the crowd uh, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And and, um, so this is the, some people refer to this day of Pentecost story as the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the birth of the church. And um, it is certainly a, a powerful story that speaks of the presence of God amongst the church. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the church. Amen. Amen. So then the question becomes, well, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what did they do? And, you know, it's... Um, as much as I like worship and praise, I know there is a huge emphasis on worship and praise nowadays. And as much as I like that and I love it, there is something other than dancing and singing that we can gather from the, um, the early church that was filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. It is in the second chapter of Acts that you will find this. It says they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, so right away, we kind of see the activities that they engaged in. They, they studied, they were embracing the teachings, they were together, they spent time together. The breaking of bread certainly talks about them sharing a communal meal. And it also speaks of the, the, um, the sacramental um, observances of, and partaking of the Lord's Supper, and they prayed together. And the Bible says that everyone engaging in this experience was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by God actually through the apostles. And then it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They, they even sold their stuff and gave it to people who were in need, and they continued to meet together in the in the temple courts. Every day they did this. They they ate together in their homes and they praised God and, and this is how they, this is what the early spirit-filled church did. Nowadays we need to 
ask that question, what is it that we do? But as the story continues, we will find, continues, we will find that there is a, a violent opposition that arises to challenge the truthfulness of, of this Messiah and the idea of a Messiah having come. And there was opposition, especially by the religious leadership. So as a matter of, in, in chapter four, I'm gonna jump from chapter two over to chapter four. And it's here that we see Peter and John get arrested and they're put in jail. Why were they put in jail? They were put in jail for teaching, for teaching about the resurrection of the dead in Christ. There were some people who, who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead in Christ. They didn't even believe in the resurrection of Christ. Some, some of them thought that they somebody stole his body. Um, but when they go to the, the empty tomb, the, the grave is empty. It's just what it is. The grave is empty and um, he's not there. Now I have somebody coming on in, Daquan McKnight. Come on in, my friend, and, and I'd like you to share your thoughts on this powerful, uh, perhaps this powerful moment of Pentecost or, or even the, the, the beginning of the arrest of the apostles and all of that. So how are you today? I'm doing well, brother. How are you doing today? Oh, I am wonderful. So so first of all, thanks for coming on. And, and um, I'd like to connect with you. We did have the opportunity to speak once before. But I would like to connect with you and expand our dialogue together. Um, sure. So, so we, we'll get to that. Um, but what is it that you had on your mind as, as uh, we look at this story of the book of Acts? And perhaps maybe it's the Pentecost event that you want to talk about or the subsequent persecution and scattering of the church. It's up to you. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to come onto your show, my dear brother. And first of all, I have been praying for you and for your family and for your ministry that it will continue to thrive and that God will bless you all physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I just want to send my love to you, my dear brother in the Lord. Well, I appreciate that for sure. Yes, sir. And second of all, my dear brother, if you just don't mind, I just want to talk about what people are going to examine in the book of Acts for a few moments. Better yet understand the book of Acts. Let me give you a scenario. With a flick of a match, friction occurs, and a spark leaps from match to tinder. A small flame burns the edges and grows, fueled by wood and the air. Heat builds, and soon the kindling is licked by reddish-orange tongues. Higher and wider, it continues to spread, consuming the wood. The flame has become a fire. And that's what you will see when you get into the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one of the most interesting books in all of the New Testament. The book of Acts has been considered as the historical section of the New Testament. In fact, the title for this book is the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which we read in most English translations. But namely, it is the book of the Holy Spirit. And I'll get into that shortly. It was written by Luke. Now, if you all don't remember, Luke himself, he wasn't an apostle of Jesus Christ. He wasn't even among the 12 disciples. In fact, when you read in Luke chapter 1, he was writing to a man named Theophilus, who could have been a Roman official because he says in Acts 1-1, 
The former treatise have I made to you, O Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of what you believe. In other words, Luke was saying, I am investigating things out, so what I'm writing in this narrative would be true. The book of Acts was written in around 66 to 68 AD. The history behind the book of Acts is quite interesting because in the book of Acts, what we discover is that the book of Luke and the book of Acts are the twin volumes of a two-part work. Because in the book of Luke, you read about the ministry of Christ. In the book of Acts, you read about the ministry of the apostles through the working of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, what you got going on is that the Acts pick up where the gospel of Luke leaves off, so to speak. Because Peter and Paul are the two most prominent disciples throughout the book of Acts. Let me help you understand it. The book of Acts can be divided into three sections. In chapters 1 through 8, the center is on Jerusalem, in which the gospel message is spreading through there. And then through chapters 8 and 12, Judea and Samaria. And then from chapters 13 all the way up to the end, chapter 28, it is to the ends of the world. So Peter is the main prominent apostle in the first eight chapters and then in the next 16 chapters philip is the main evangelist and then the rest of it is dedicated to the apostle paul as he moves from village to village from town to town preaching the gospel to jews and gentiles planting churches and also turning the world upside down for him and if you're out there please say amen so the book of luke begins with the birth of christ and finishes in jerusalem while the book of acts it begins it deals with the birth of the early church and finishes in Rome. So what can we expect throughout the book of Acts? In which, first of all, we see the Holy Spirit playing an important role. In which, over 50 different times, it talks about that they were filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit came upon them. The concept of the Word of God growing and multiplying. And also, it teaches us the importance of apologetics, how we are to defend the gospel and how we can expand the gospel from one end to the world to the uttermost parts of the world. You see, what it teaches us is that it is boldness beyond our own, in which it says in Acts 4, verses 8 through 12, when they were standing on trial for healing the lame man, in which the Pharisees, Caiaphas, were asking, by whose power and authority did you do these things? And they said, it is through the name of Jesus Christ. And they said that they cannot help but speak the things which they have seen and heard. In other words, they were bold enough to share their faith. They weren't afraid of death because they were reminded by Christ that they would experience persecution, but also that he has overcome the world. And we also see in Acts 17, 6, it talks about these men who have turned the world upside down has come here. You see, if ever there was a time in which the world needs to be turned upside down. It is now, my dear brother, because God may grant to us that we can turn the world upside down is that the Holy Spirit is present and available to every single one of us because Jesus himself promised us in his word about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the comforter called alongside to help us. He is the spirit of truth who will lead and guide us into all truth. He is the one that proceeds from the Father and from the Son, who brings all things to our remembrance, who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus is pictured as the Lord of the church. 
in which even though Jesus returned to heaven at the end of his earthly ministry, leaving his spirit-filled followers with the glorious task of taking his message to the ends of the world, and that's our duty in the world for today. Amen. Um, uh, Daquan, I want you to comment on this. Now listen, I have a timer set here for like 10 minutes, so it's like three minutes left, but I do want you to come back. And and um, I want to, um, you know, we talked, you mentioned the, the persecution of the church and in in uh, for somebody who's never really read the Bible, I think that, um, you know, this session is, and you're doing a wonderful job of introducing them to what they might find in this book, right? And one of the things is that there is a, a wonderful condensed history, a testimony given by Stephen in the seventh chapter, in which he ends up dying after giving this story. Mm. But um, I want to know um, if you have any insight okay. into that S Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin in the seventh chapter, and what jumps out to you from the pages of that seventh chapter. Um, secondly, Daquan, I want you, um, when we're done with this episode, I would appreciate it if you went to my website. And just, it's www.reverendjstuartglover.com. It's on my profile. And if you send me an email, I, I have some things I want to ask you. Sure, I would love and to, I want I would love to, do, to that do that. Right as soon as you get, we get finished here tonight, because, because I want to... Um, put this episode up on my my podcast that shows up on you know apple and youtube and all that kind of stuff sure i would love to my brother i would love to now the interesting thing about acts chapter seven is that stephen he's somewhat of a young deacon he's a young preacher mm -hmm. he may have not been one of the apostles of christ but he may have heard preaching about it under the teachings of the apostles or probably from peter himself but what I love about that story is that in Acts 7, Stephen retraces Israelite history. Amen. From the time from the time of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all the way up to the time of Moses in the wilderness in the Exodus, and then all the way up to the time of King David. And he was reminding each and every single one of them, yeah, you call yourselves to be children of the law like you know the law so much, and yeah, you claim to have connection with God, but you're far from him. Because he goes on to say that they resisted the message of the prophets, the message of the Holy Spirit, and every one of their ancestors kept persecuting prophet after prophet after prophet who prophesied in the name of Jesus Christ, who kept coming after those who kept predicting about the coming of the Messiah. And that's what he was doing as well. He was rebuking them for being blinded to the truth. He was rebuking them for rejecting Christ. He was the Messiah, came to save Israel, to bring about salvation and deliverance, and also to reconcile humankind back to God. And unfortunately, they didn't like that message. They didn't want to hear that. And that's why they stoned him to death, because they couldn't accept the truth. They couldn't uh, believe what Stephen was saying. Well, you know, one thing that I, I love about this story is that as they were preparing to drag him out of the city, and stoned him to death. Stephen said, I see heaven open and a son of man standing at the right hand of God. And you know, this is an instance where yeah. we usually hear Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. But imagine that. Imagine Jesus watching down on what was going on and standing up and, and there in and, and, and honor. So Daquan, I need you to come on back in. And this story again, is it, 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 it continues with them dragging him out of the city and stoning him to death. 
Now that's the seventh chapter. And and um, the eighth chapter, you know, it talks about the the church further being persecuted and scattered throughout, throughout Judea and Samaria. And this person, Saul now, uh, continued his attack against the followers of Jesus, even going from door to door, dragging off men and women and putting them into prison. So Daquan, now we're getting up, we're jumping ahead, we're going to the introduction of, of well, Saul, who was later to be known as Paul, but we must understand for, for the person who um, may not know that he was a, a religious leader and he was um, he was on a mission to to squash this new movement, this Jesus movement, and violence was his methodology. Violence was the methodology. And God forbid that Christians today would even think of turning to violence as a method of evangelism. God help us. So, so um, in this, yeah. um, the, in the ninth chapter, we read of Paul's. Can, by the way, Saul was present at the stoning and approving of this stoning death of Stephen. Right, but um, in the in the ninth chapter, we we end up observing Paul, who is Saul. We end up seeing him yeah. on the road. He's on a mission. To, on the road to Damascus to, with permission from authorities to go ahead on and, and find some more of these followers of Jesus and arrest them and bring them back for judgment. So what happens along along that journey, um, Daquan? Well, what happens is, first of all, let's look at Saul mm-hmm. for a moment. As you, as you read throughout the scripture, Saul himself, he was educated in the law. He was a Roman citizen born in the area of Tarsus, which was around Sicilia. Yes, he was Jewish, but he obtained Roman citizenship. His name was Saul Paulus. Because in those days, if you were Jewish and a Roman by nationality, you would obtain two names. Well, a Roman, Roman law, you obtain two names, but Jewish, you would have three. And so what we know is that Saul knew the law from front to back. A man far, a man who thought he knew the law but was far from God, he thought he knew God and thought this is how you follow God. You keep the laws of Judaism. But something took place within Saul's life when he had that experience. You see, it is the people that persecute the Christians, those who claim they don't believe in God, those who mock Christians, those who tease Christians through social media, on television, or even in the newspaper, those are the most guilty ones. Those are the ones who are always at enmity with God. And that's the case with Saul. But something took place within his heart and life in which he had an experience on the road to Damascus in which he had an encounter with Christ in which he realizes what I've done was wrong. He is real. He is the son of God. And you wanna know something, Reverend J. Story? You know what I like about this story in Acts chapter nine? Paul continues to refer to it in the rest of the book of Acts and his testimony, and even in the epistles as well, how Christ saved me, how he can save others. And the greatest thing about it is that his salvation is available to every single person. It doesn't matter how far you are from God. It doesn't matter how far away you may have walked from God. It doesn't matter how angry you are with God. His love and his salvation is available to every single person, to those who put their faith and trust in him. Amen. And that's that's a wonderful point, because sometimes people think, oh, this person is beyond 
being saved, as they say. He's in such bad shape. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a family member that you think is so far gone that nothing good can come out of him. Well, guess what? Paul was is a prime example of somebody who not only um, was against Jesus, but he actually used to kill Christians. So, so now here he is in God's hands, and he has this encounter along this journey on his way to go continue his his violence against the followers of Jesus, and something happens on the journey. Da Daquan, tell us what happened. So on the road to Damascus, he encounters a bright light that he has never even experienced before. It was so bright that he literally blinded his eyes. And the scripture says that the men who were traveling with them, they saw, they heard the voice, but they didn't see no one. And Paul would say that throughout the epistles. In other words, they didn't have the spiritual understanding of who was communicating with Saul. They heard the voice of a person, but they couldn't see anything because they're okay, on the desert. Wait a minute, let me, let me ask you what? a question. When you say that they blinded his, his eyes were blinded by the light, let me just ask you a question and use your imagination. What do you think happened to all the learning he had amassed in his years of study? I believe personally that Paul or Saul, possibly, he probably had an encounter with the Shekinah presence of the glory of God, in which he probably understood the importance of the glory of God while he was reading the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And also as well, when he saw that light, he probably wondered, am I encountering his glory? Am I encountering his presence? What is happening? I've never seen this before. And that's when God will tell him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Mm -hmm. Why are you so angry and hostile with me? And Saul's like, okay, man, who are you? Oh, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And then Saul, we know he got hit with humility and probably guilt. He's like, God, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. And he says, go into the city and there you will be told what you are to do. And then you'll have that incredible story, sorry for jumping ahead, of Ananias getting a revelation from the Lord saying, hey, I want you to go down to this place called Straight, the house of Judas, go to Paul. He's praying to me. And he's like, oh, no, no, he's persecuting Christians. What makes you think he's worthy of your love? Go. He's a chosen vessel unto me. Ananias obeys the word of the Lord. He lays his hands on him and miraculously Saul could see. And the scripture says scales fell from his eyes, but the blindness was not of his eyes, but it was of his heart as he was blinded to the truth that the apostles were proclaiming all those years. And all of a sudden he gets educated in the word of the Lord. He gets more information about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ from the eyewitness accounts of the apostles. And he goes forth and preaches the gospel to everybody in around the area of Damascus. Now, isn't this something how, how he has this encounter He's, he has an encounter with Christ, with this kind of glory of God. His heart is being changed. His vision is interrupted. His, his, his thinking is interrupted. And, and as he's going through this, what I really love is that God sends somebody into his life. And, and we yeah. should be, um, don't get so spiritual that you think, oh, it's just me and God. God uses people <laughs> to help you along your faith journey. So, so just, just like Daquan is helping yep. us right now, in, in this session, God will put people in your life to help you along the way. And, and we should be receptive to that. And 
also too, Mr. J. Stewart, if I may add, that's the problem you see in most uh, churches itself, especially with the youth and the young adults. I mean, one of the saddest problems that we see is that many of them are leading church, and many reasons for that is the lack of leadership. There's not proper leadership being demonstrated in the church to help the children walk alongside with them, letting them know, hey, I see you're going through this. I see you're struggling with that. I'm going to walk alongside and help you. They don't do that. They just simply say, we'll just pray for you and just leave them out in the open like live or die, sink or swim, just wing it. And then another problem that you see is that they don't feel welcome in church. When a young person who has grown up and they start making certain choices that they feel guilty about later on and then get invited to church, they get looked down on so many times in which they feel, man, I thought church was supposed to be a place of love and where people can walk alongside and help me. But everyone's so judgmental and critical. That's why Jesus himself says, those who are well don't need a physician for those who are sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, lost people should matter to God, and they should matter to every single one of us if we know Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I thank you for raising the point of young people actually being um, dissatisfied with the church and leaving the church. It's a, it's a sad phenomena. I, I myself, I'm a chaplain at a university and I get to see firsthand the students who the students who have probably gone to church most of their life and now that they have the freedom um, and they're away from home, they kind of drop the ball and are no longer interested and in, in, in search of other things. And you're right, we have, the church has dropped the ball. The church has been a unwelcoming, unsafe space for many, and it's a tragedy. So you, you again, I agree with, uh, with you that we need to rethink our um, uh, approach to ministry and our theology. In many cases, we, we're guilty of, of ministerial malpractice. So um, let's continue to keep the church and the church's leadership in prayer, that they would have the same kind of encounter with God that Paul had on this road to Damascus. And perhaps our spirits uh, will be renewed in our approach to, to ministry. And Daquan is coming on back in. And um, where are we now? We're talking about... So now, um, Paul, you know, I say this. I, I would say this. You know, some people say Paul converted to Christianity on the spot. I don't think so. I think that my opinion is that Paul was a Jew, right? Yeah. And that but what he did convert, if anything converted, was I believe the fulfillment of his Jewish Jewish expectation of Messiah was fulfilled in Christ in that moment. Yes, and also as well, when you read later in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 1, um, it talks about how Paul would defend his apostleship while writing to the church at Galatia. And one of the most interesting things I noticed when reading about that passage is this. Paul says in Galatians 1, 15, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I went up to Jerusalem to consult those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia and later I returned into Damascus. So in other words, what happened was after his conversion, Paul spent time in the desert and wilderness of Arabia, getting revelation downloads, so to speak, from the person of the Holy Spirit as he gained more insight into the person and character 
of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he stood for. Mm-hmm. So now I think that we should take a, a little moment to, like if we just jump ahead um, to uh, the 10th chapter of Acts, we see a section, you know, and, and talks about Peter's vision. Now we, we should let the, the hearer of this conversation know that Paul had a ministry that was going to expand the gospel to, although the gospel was released to the Jewish community first, Paul was going to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, I'll tell you right now, the Gentiles were those who weren't Jewish, right? But they were also considered to be a Gentile if they were a non-practicing Jew. <laughs> they were considered as being yeah. Gentile. So there, there comes this... Um, um, this story about uh, Peter's vision, as they say, and and it's in the tenth chapter of the book of Acts, and the the um, the, the the phrase is in the fifteenth verse. It says, "The voice spoke to him a second time and says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean.'" So I want to know: yes. Is there for the person who's never heard this before? Is there a relationship between that? and the um, the spreading of the gospel to the Gentiles. To be honest with you, I believe so, my dear brother, because the biggest problem that many times people have is that when God tells them, I want you to go and witness to that person right next door to you or go and witness to someone uh, right there in the parking lot of a store about me. And you're like, oh, no, Lord, I, I can't witness to that person. That person's a liar. He's a cheater, uh, an adulteress, an alcoholic, a drug person. I, I can't allow that kind of person around me. I can't allow that filth to be near my side. I, I can't do it. And God's like, I still want you to do it. I still want you to go and proclaim it. It doesn't matter who they are. I'm a savior for all people. It doesn't matter. Yes, it doesn't matter what your race, your age, your creed, your sex is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you committed adultery. I don't. I don't care if you committed murder. I don't care if you committed immorality. His love and salvation is made is made available to every single person. And also, as well, you got to understand when it comes to the person and character of Christ, we have to remember his salvation is free for all. You don't earn it, you don't obtain it, you receive it by faith when you say yes to him. And I think the problem that we have also in the church world is that many people have this holier than thou attitude, um, attitude in which they say, oh, I'm more holy than this person, but even yourself, you can be wrong or and you can also be in the wrong and think that you're in the right and also think that you're close to God, but many times you could be far away from him. So I think the lesson of the story is it's all about love. Uh, we got to continue to extend the love of God to those that do not know him. Even if we disagree with certain lifestyles, we should not have a heart of hate, but a heart of love and compassion, letting everybody know that there's someone that can save and deliver, and that is Jesus Christ. All right, so you, you, you used the word, you said lifestyle, and I'm going to go there um, because I, I look at it this way. Now, many of us in the church have been um, raised to, to be in conflict with, you know, the embedded theologies of our youth. Uh, we, uh, we stand or stood in conflict with the um, LGBTQ community and, and their, um, their, their, identities, yeah. their, their, their identities that they've... Um, I, you know, they, they, they identify with their, 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 as people. But, but here's the thing. Right, right. Um, I have learned that um, that's going to have to be between them and God. Um, 
I, I even though I was never raised yes. in a in a in a, a context that affirm LGBTQ people, these are people that are, are are created by God, and we have to be careful. You know, when when in this scripture that we just read, it says, "Don't you dare call unclean what I've made clean." Right? Who are we to stand in between the salvation of the sinner and God? Who are we? We 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 right. moved out of our lane yeah. when people become when we become so ju- judgmental that we refuse to embrace people in the name of God, right? Yes, and mind if I comment on what you just said right there, my brother? Mm, go ahead. All right, and also as well, I think the biggest problem for that is that many times people would say, oh, I was born this way when it comes to the LGBTQ lifestyle. They say, oh, I was born this way. Let me tell every single person out there, for those who are bound by that spirit, for those who are in in the LGBTQ community, I want to say this. The cure for your problem is the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no sin too bad that his blood can't cleanse. You can be forgiven of homosexuality. You can be forgiven of any sin. But to be forgiven of a sin, you must admit you have sin. We are his highest creation. You are not a mistake. God created each and every single one of you in his image and likeness. And in the image of God, we have to remember we have his royal DNA flowing through our veins. We have his DNA in our blood and also as well. The greatest thing that we can understand is that God cares about every single one of us. God cares. God loves. God redeems. God heals. God saves. And also, God delivers. So I want to remind each and every single person, you may be going through some challenges. You may be going through pain. You may be going through difficulty. But the answer for your problems is the cross of Jesus Christ. And um, I want to ask you a question, Brother Jay Stewart, in regards to the concept of the LGBTQ community and church. Um, What disturbs you the most when you see a person say they're gay or lesbian and they get invited to a church or whatever and during the sermon uh, they get convicted by the power of the spirit of god and they go to the altar and confess their sin and make christ the lord and savior and master of your life has there ever been a time in your life in which you have witnessed uh, like the attitude of people like who do they think they are coming up into this church trying to get salvation because they're gay or anything and uh, what would you tell a person that is bound by it um, if they should they be accepted into the church is, um, is the church an open door for them or what is your viewpoint well I, I will say this I think that um, Jesus came to bring redemption restoration and healing right and I don't I yes. don't think that the church should um, exclude anybody who has has come to the foot of the cross as they say to receive Jesus in their heart how can you minister to someone when, at, by putting them out of the church now I, I I've exper- I've heard instances you asked me if I heard ever witnessed an instance but I know of an instance where two women and you can come on back in there that there are two women who came to a church and were in, in invited to be in ministry in the church I mean they they came to the church they were they were dancers and they you know before they joined the church they they got involved in different social events and and people loved them and all of that and and everybody thought they were sisters and and um, 
um, they they got involved in some volunteer work for the church. They were the dancers, and and then one day they walked down the aisle, and and the pastor asked them the last name. And they had been there for months. Let's say six months. They had been there for such a long time, and then when they came, then when they came to join the church, they said, "Oh, you have the last name. Your sisters." And they said, "No, we're married." <laughs> and and and. and um, I think it's been a, at least um, at least three years ago or so, at least, and and um, and so what happened no. was the the uh, the pastor of that particular church um, decided that um, he said, uh, well, you know, I don't think this is such a good idea. He said he put it to them like this. I don't think it's a it's a um, it's a good idea for you to join this particular church because um um you know the congregation is not ready for that so that's what happened and and you asked me if i've witnessed a, uh, an instance of the the lgbt person being rejected from the church yes i have it's it's old news i mean it happens all the time <clears throat> but here's my problem with that um how can we be um how can we be the love of God in action if we are if we exclude people at every corner? The, in the Bible, the, um, the Bible, Jesus healed the leper, right? Exactly. So, um, I mean, the one who was excluded from society, the one who was banned from the religious yeah. community, Jesus healed him, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think for us yeah. to stand in opposition to people because of their identity is is not such a good practice. Um, it becomes, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes, we take the judgment, we, we're stepping out of our lane. Now, there are some complexities that, 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 uh, that rise, right. you know, um, there are some complexities that rise, but I think that we have to revisit our, the practice of what it is that, the, how we put what we believe into practice. Yes, and another thing too is that, especially for the teens and the young adults, what they have to understand is yes, they may be bound by that, but that's not who they're identified as. They're not identified by whom the world says they are or what people say they are or by whom they say they are. They are identified by whom God says that they are, that they have been created in the image and likeness of God and so much more. And also as well, and the point of the matter is, is that God can forgive the sin of homosexuality. Many times people say that's the unpardonable sin. No, it is not. Neither is suicide. God can forgive any sin. He can forgive the sin of homosexuality and his fire can cleanse him, clean you up and so much more. But what we have to understand is, yeah, we may not agree with certain things that people do, but still show the love of God to them. Never have a heart of hate. That's the problem in the church world. There's always a heart of hate in which they ostracize people from society thinking, uh-uh, you, you're not welcome in our church. We don't want you. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you remember um, when you look at those uh, TV commercials or like if you pass by and you see people say, fags go to hell, fags burn in hell and everything right. else. Right, right. We have to understand this. If you do not repent of that sin, if you continue to engage in that lifestyle, if you don't allow Christ to come and change your heart and life, yes, you will spend eternity in hell, but we don't tell people just burn in hell. No, we got to present the gospel to them, letting them know that Jesus saves, heals, delivers, and sets free, and that the cross 
is still available and that there's room at the cross and that the love of God can bring anybody home and that his love softened even the hardest of all hearts. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing. You, what you may find is that um, people in the LGBTQ community, first of all, don't believe that they are living in a life of sin, right? And they don't think anything is wrong with them. They think that there is something wrong with the people who are judging them in, in this way. So it's a um, it's a complex thing. But here's the thing, man. I don't think that we should get out of our lane and start uh, dispatching people to hell in our own minds and hearts because because it's no. not, no, that's not, not a good idea. to us to do that. No. So and it's a very complex issue. Believe me, it's complicated. Um, I, you know, I personally feel as though that you know, it's difficult. I have difficulty understanding why somebody would have to go under the knife to make their life more complete. You know, um, I think that they should embrace who they are as they are, and 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 learn to to walk with God in that in, in the way they are. And so, so it's a complex issue. But. Um, I, but I'm not, I don't want to be the one to to listen. Here's the thing that we should be um, conscious of: the suicide the suicide rate mm-hmm. amongst transgender youth mm-hmm. is approaching fifty percent. Yes, that means that means five yes, out I, of ten. Yes, I saw that. Elements, yeah, that's, right? I read about that. It's, so, it's disappointing. I don't want to be the person. I don't want to be the person of who identifies as being a person of faith, a follower of Jesus, to push them to that. Yes. So, so we have to be be a little bit more sensitive in our ministerial practice, and and learn how to offer um, reconciliation. And 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 not only that, Daquan, I think that the worst thing that can happen to somebody in their lived experience is that they feel rejected yes. by God or, or are told that they're rejected by God eternally um, by some religious leaders. So I don't have to be the one to tell you that. Right. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to to not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if, Je- if Jesus came to save the world, who am I to right. stand up and condemn the world? Listen, there was a woman, I used to work in, in New York City on Wall Street. And, and there was a woman who used to dress up in white and stand in front of the people pouring out of the World Trade Center at the rush hour in the morning, yelling at them, you look at you sinners, you're all going to hell. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, I think I heard about that person, yes. This? You know, Jesus, Jesus is frustration. When I say frustration, or Jesus is um, um, disapproval was for the most part with the religious leaders of the day. So so I think we need to be careful. I'm an ordained minister in the Baptist tradition and and uh, and I certainly don't want to be the one yeah. who who's falls under the uh, the words of Jesus, you know, um, not well done, my poor and unfaithful servant. <laughs> No. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So so um, you know, again, this is this is uh, what we're doing is it's an introductory um, level conversation for maybe the person that hasn't um, read the the book of Acts or hasn't read the Bible at all. We've gone through some Old Testament um, books. We've gone through the Gospel of Matthew. We decided to to, to touch on the book of Acts, and I, I thank um, Daquan for coming in. 
and and um, and being with us in these moments. So the the rest of the story continues to talk about Paul's um, continuing ministry, his 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 challenges with society, his arrests, um, mm-hmm. and eventually dies. Eventually, tradition oh, has yeah. it that he was beheaded, um, and he died. Um, so yep, that was accurate. So in Daquan, what would you what would you as a, as we close this out now? What would you say is a takeaway for the first time hero of this book of Acts? What's the what's the big takeaway? The big takeaway is that it deals with the emphasis that as followers of Jesus Christ, first of all, we have to share the gospel to those who do not know Him. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't matter their race, their creed, their age, their sex, or their status in life. Still preach the gospel. And even if you don't know what to preach, just preach about Jesus and the Holy Spirit will help you from there. Second of all, it deals with the emphasis of unity in which the body of Christ should come together as a whole, as one, and how there should be no spirit of racism, no hostility towards one another. What did Paul say? He himself is our peace who has broken down the middle wall of partition that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but there's all one free mankind. That's that. And the third thing is that salvation is for anybody who will put their faith and trust in him. Even for the people in Paul's day, those who were idol worshipers, when they heard the gospel, they freely accepted and they freely received the message that Paul preached. And you see throughout the book of Acts, you hear about how hundreds and hundreds of people of Gentiles were following Paul and listening to his message. But anyway, that's all I can say for that one is salvation is available for all and thank you so much for having me as a guest today reverend jay stewart i don't know if you noticed but on my profile page uh, there's my youtube channel and also my tiktok channel um you can follow and subscribe to me there and you can also have your friends and family to subscribe is there and once we get off the air um just email me uh your questions that you have and i would love to get in touch and in base with you on those but thank you and god bless you my friend all right so daquan this is what this is what i i want you to i would appreciate if you did it if you went to my website and um, if you could send me, or even I, I sent you my email in the chat, if you sent me a little bit of your profile information, I, I always post these uh, discussions up on YouTube. I post them on, on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts and various podcast outlets. So my question basically is, are you okay with that, first of all? And if you are, yeah. you can just send me some sort of profile information because that gets put on, on my website as well, which is... Um, um, you know, it's it's available for those everybody to see. So, and I would appreciate it because, like you said, we need to share, the, continue to shamelessly um, share the gospel. So, I want to thank um, Daquan for coming on and being a part of this conversation and making wonderful contributions to to this faith talk. Um, and and we talked about the the an introductory level discussion to the Book of Acts. And if you never read the book, it's certainly a, a um, it's. It's rich in its content. We get to see the, the great recollection of the, the, the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit into the church. We get to see a really condensed um, historical account offered by Stephen, which if you don't know the history of the Jewish people's faith journey, it's there in, in a couple of, you know, in, in a condensed form. It is there. Um, so we, we see the formation, we, we see the scattering of the church, and we see the continuity of the church in the face of all of this um, 
uh, attempts to, to quiet the church and, and continues. So now I would just um, remind you that um, I would ask you to please visit uh, anybody who's listening, please visit the website www.reverendjstewartglover.com. You can hear this uh, this session again. You can register as a guest. You can leave me a voicemail, an email, and I will get back with you. I want to thank the people in um, different parts of the world who have joined in this conversation and heard it. People from um, people from um, Ireland, in particular in Singapore. Um, in the Philippines, in Taiwan. I just want to thank you all for listening in, and Daquan came back. All right. Just want to let you know, Brother Jay Stewart, in the chat, I just sent you my uh, TikTok information for you to follow me there. Also, my YouTube channel for you to subscribe is there. All my information is right there on my profile page. And also, I think the YouTube link is also connected to my profile page in which you can just tap on it. It can send you right there to YouTube and you can click on my YouTube channel and also my email so that we can stay in touch with one another. My brother, uh, was there anything else you needed me to do? Is So that's you put that in the chat? Uh, yes, my e- email, the YouTube, and the TikTok is right there in the chat, my brother. Great. Okay. All right. Good enough. That should that should work, mm-hmm. and hopefully I get this up there by um, tomorrow. Sometimes what I like to do is put a little music behind it, and it, it, get, it shows up on YouTube and, and Apple and all that stuff. So thank you for your rich contributions to the um, conversation, and we'll hook up. Yes, and please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel of mine, my TikTok, and invite your friends and family to subscribe as well, my brother, because what I'm doing is I'm trying to go live on YouTube so that way I can continue to preach the gospel, continue to share the word of God to all of our youth and young adults out there that need help, that need hope and deliverance, and that they can find it in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Amen. All right, so I'm going to close this out tonight, and I would just encourage um, anyone who has never read this book to follow along with these um, introductory level discussions so that you can come to know what to expect if you decide to pick up the Bible. Now, often we people make conclusions about God, about the church, without ever even reading the the word of God and which is the the story God's self-disclosure towards humanity this is where God speaks through the biblical text and 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 we make conclusions about God based on what other people have said what other people do but we don't actually investigate for ourselves so I'm inviting you to investigate for yourself to come and sit with the text and and let God speak to you in it so my prayer is that you've been encouraged in some way and led to an appropriate response, but just might be picking up the book and reading it and praying, having a prayerful uh, exchange with God and ask God to reveal himself to you. Having said all of that, God bless you. And I will uh, be back next week at the same time. God bless you and have a great day. You've been listening to Faith Talk with Reverend J. Stewart Glover. I want to thank my guest, Daquan McKnight, for coming on in and contributing richly to our conversation. I must say that the the opinions and theology of all of my guests don't always represent my theology or my opinions, but we offer a safe space for people to clearly articulate 
their thoughts and let their voice be heard. Now all of these discussions are open up open for criticism and you can visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can leave your comments on the things that have been said during this episode. I invite you to join this discussion. Thank you so much and God bless you. <laughs>